0: Conversation was funny, so I wanted to record (laughs) some. Okay.
1: (laughs) All right, so I guess we should get started. Um, My name is Sandra. And I'm Danielle. And this is Oi with the Terror already. Starting off the first podcast of I hope of many, but we'll see how it goes.
0: (laughs) It'll go wonderfully and we'll be world famous (laughs) maybe
1: (laughs) hopefully at least at least it lasts throughout the rest of quarantine however long that is yeah
0: it can always just be a fun uh friday saturday night project for us
1: yeah keeps our mind off of work and everything so something, something fun to do uh but i guess just to explain the name a little bit um We picked Oi with the Terror already because we're both huge Gilmore Girls fans, so it's kind of a play on Oi with the Poodles already for those Gilmore Girls fans that are listening. And we thought it would just kind of be fun to do a podcast about kind of ghost stories, urban legends, and Danielle, you're
0: doing murders, I believe, or murder stories? Um, kind of... Yeah, that was the initial plan that um, I would focus on murder stories, but then I sort of shifted to interesting historical crime-related stories. So it'll probably be a mixture. Sounds good to me.
1: I have no idea what your story is, so I'm really (laughs) really interested to hear it. But um, I guess I'll go first. And then, like I said, if you have comments please comment or questions <laughs> and I'll do my best at answering them
0: I will definitely <laughs> insert comments throughout okay.
1: <laughs> sounds good uh, so the story that I picked to kind of start everything off is the ghostly tale of the redheaded hitchhiker on route 44 in the Seacock Rehoboth line in Massachusetts Oh, um, never heard of that yeah a lot of people apparently haven't um unless you are From the Rehoboth area or if you know of like the Seahawk Rehoboth line because a lot of ghost stories apparently are in the Rehoboth area. They have a lot of like weird paranormal stuff but I Mm. found this interesting because it's also part of the Bridgewater Triangle uh, which you also know because you told me about it and you used to drive through it to go to work but um, yeah so for those who don't know the Bridgewater Triangle is located in the southeastern part of Massachusetts, and it's claimed to have alleged paranormal phenomenon ranging from UFOs to poltergeists, including balls of fire, which I found kind of interesting. Um, And there have been various Bigfoot sightings, but the story that I'm focusing on is just about one uh, part of the Bridgewater Triangle. So let's uh, get started here. Um, Okay, so If you are driving through the Seahawk Rehoboth line, whatever you do, do not pick up any hitchhikers on Route 44, no matter how good looking they may be or lost they may look. Uh, The Legend of the Red-Headed Hitchhiker was made famous by the New England Ghost Files, which was a book that was written by the late Charles or Chip Turek Robinson. He chronicled many ghost stories in Rehoboth, Massachusetts, and he was actually born in 1962 and he recently died in 2017. He's also the author of other ghost stories or other ghost books, I should say, such as Massachusetts True New England Mysteries. Uh, He was Harvard educated and an anthropologist and archaeologist, and he was kind of thrown into the world of the paranormal, um, or essentially ghost stories, uh, by accident after running an article of one Halloween featuring the work of one of the country's first ghost hunters, who is Hans Holzer. In his research, he found a story about a poltergeist in his hometown in Rehoboth and after the article was published, there were a lot of people that kind of reached out to him and wrote him letters. Talking about their experiences and with the with this particular ghost or this particular apparition and in the interview that he did in May of 2002 he said, and I quote many of the accounts that were related to. me by readers were silly and contained many of the usual stereotypes i rejected those however these were a few that were very provocative in their originality and they did not contain the usual stereotypes and sensationalism they contain elements so unusual so and so original that if these people hadn't really had the experiences they should have been writing for hollywood and not reaching out to me so essentially even though he wrote this story in this book This legend has actually been around for decades. It's always the same man. He is very well-built. Looking about the ages between 45 and 55, he's dressed in the same clothes, red flannel shirt, dirty jeans, uh, essentially, I guess, working boots. He has longish reddish hair, bushy red beard, and dark, empty, soulless eyes. And those are important because that's how they always describe his eyes.
0: So it's a man? I just so assumed it would be a woman when he started <laughs> that's like what I redheaded hitchhiker. Because what... you always hear about like the ghostly lady hitchhikers and mm-hmm. the long white dresses. You never hear about the redheaded man wearing flannel.
1: No, that's what I was surprised too. I didn't realize it was a, a a man. I thought it was kind of like the other, as you said, like the other ones that we hear, where it's like, yeah. oh, this woman, she lost Engenue her or... or something. Yeah, but no, he
0: this is in
1: this is a this is a guy, apparently a very hmm. interesting looking dude that is just hanging out on Route Forty Four. Um, so essentially, what always seems to happen is when travelers are going down the road they'll actually pick him up after seeing him on the side of the road. Sometimes he's standing, sometimes he's walking, sometimes he has kind of like the hitchhiker thumb sticking out and sometimes he doesn't. And the story generally from what I could find in my research is basically the same. The person will pull over, allows the man to enter the vehicle, and he always sits in the back, even if there's one person in the car. So he's always in the back and the driver will then ask him where he's heading he never says anything he just kind of points down the road in the direction that the car is heading and after this is where it gets like a little bit strange um after traveling down the road in complete silence the hitchhiker will actually begin to giggle and then the giggle will actually turn into uncontrollable laughter that pierces the ears of the passengers the driver will then usually become annoyed and threaten to pull over if the laughter doesn't stop then in an instant the red hitchhiker is gone he completely disappears even when the car is in motion so this is also where it gets even weirder although he may actually leave the vehicle um, a lot of witnesses say that they can still kind of feel his presence in the car one witness even stated that not long after he vanished from her car the music suddenly cut out on the radio and the hitchhiker's crazed laughter began filling the car once again but this time taunting her by name um There are also There's also evidence and tales of people who drive through him um, only to kind of get out of the car and realize that they actually didn't hit anything and that nothing's there. Others will see him on the side of the road kind of just standing in the woods, waving, and then he disappears. And others have even seen him kind of like in the rear mirror of the car while they're driving. So is um, is
0: this a wooded area?
1: I guess so, yeah. I guess it's a really... I kind of looked into where it it is. It's very rural and it's very wooded and there's Mm -hmm. nothing really like around. So that's also kind of weird of why he's just in this one kind of spot. Um, Basically, anyone who drives or has driven on that particular stretch of road at night feels really uneasy and doesn't really like driving on Route 44. So those are essentially like the stories behind what they've experienced. So no one actually knows who this hitchhiker is. Some believe that he may have been in a bad accident on that part of the road. Others believe he may have been hit by a car on that part of the road. Um, some think that he's a 19th century farmer, which would kind of explain his outfit with the flannel. And the I was going to face. ask
0: that. When you said flannels, like, must be a farmer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it is New England. So that's, that's possible that it, it probably yeah. is a farmer or he probably was a farmer um, who has just never been put to rest. The weirdest thing I found is that in one of the articles I looked at, uh, some people think that he's not even human, but that he was created by like a wild thought into existence to serve as a horrible reminder of what can befall someone who actually picks up a stranger on the side of the road. So it's kind of like a moral lesson of like, oh, if you pick pick up a hitchhiker, like bad things will happen to you or you'll just get scared completely. So I thought that that was really interesting Um, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I picked that kind of legend because it is part, like I said, it is part of the Bridgewater Triangle, so it is part of like a bigger, kind of more well-known legend.
0: It actually, it's interesting because when you, I was a little surprised when you said it's part of the Bridgewater Triangle because it seems less like Mm folksy, mythical than I know one of the Big Bridgewater Triangle like stories is something about a mothman. Yep. Or something like weird creatures that just pop out at night. So like when you say ghostly hitchhiker, it's like, oh, this has a whole different spin on
1: it. Yeah, it does. Well, that's kind <laughs> of the actual it, person. That's kind of one of the reasons why I picked it was because it is it does seem like it's an actual person. And it is kind of weird that it was found in the Bridgewater Triangle area because, like you said, like the other things I found for the Bridgewater Triangle um that have been claimed are like UFOs, poltergeist orbs, balls of fire, and various Bigfoot bl- sightings including like giant snakes and thunderbirds. And thunderbirds are kind of I think they're more like a supernatural being of power and strength and yeah, I think they're I more Native it.
0: American
1: legends. Yeah,
0: isn't it? I don't even know. Yeah, I've yeah. heard I've heard of thunderbirds but I still don't understand what they are. I'm not really
1: 100% sure, so I don't want to like say that I know what they are when I, know. I don't but I and I just found it how like because I was talking about this podcast with co-workers you know letting them know and they asked me oh like what what story are you doing and one of them or two of them are native from Massachusetts so they grew up here they kind of know they know the Bridgewater Triangle but they had no idea who like the redheaded hitchhiker was and when I said oh yeah we're they were still like we don't like one of my coworkers was like oh yeah I know Verhoboth and I've never heard of this so it seems like it's very much like you know about it or you don't which is interesting because it was also in a book so like you would kind of think like oh if you're really into that or if you've read the book you would know the story so Hmm.
0: yeah so So there's no like cemetery or anything near there no No one knows anything about a mysterious redheaded guy that disappeared or was murdered or anything
1: no there's just just popped up (laughs) yeah he started popping up a couple decades ago and they just they don't know and Hmm. they're judging just by the clothes because i guess also some people have said that he's in like not ragged clothes but like nice clothes too so it's kind of weird but judge i would just say judging by that outfit that he's described in he was most likely just a farmer and maybe you hmm. just had a bad accident. Maybe they had a farm in that area earlier on. Or I don't know. And no one seems to really know. But
0: I mean, I've definitely seen people walking around in flannel on my drive mm-hmm. back from work through there. Yeah. But I don't remember if any of them had red hair or not.
1: They weren't like standing out there like, <laughs> like, please, ma'am, let me get in your car.
0: I felt like I didn't really drive anywhere super rural either. Like a lot of it was like small town, small city. So there was a lot of stuff going on. I didn't really drive through anywhere where it was just like super secluded or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I even kind of looked it up and I do live in the greater Boston area and it's about an hour and a half from where I live. So maybe one day when we're done with <laughs> being in lockdown, we can take a drive and just kind of kind of <laughs> see kind of see what happens.
0: When you mentioned Route Forty Four, I was thinking to myself like I feel like I may have driven on there. I like that does sound familiar.
1: Pr- so, I it's, it's a pretty long road. It's definitely road. close
0: to here. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's probably closer to you than it is to me.
0: Yeah, we could uh, try that. I guess <laughs> one <night. laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, it might but be like
0: fun. you and I are both from like a super rural, woodsy town, so I definitely know the feeling. Like you kind of expect anything to jump out, especially at night when you're mm-hmm. driving around and it's, like, you're basically just surrounded by trees and, like, deer. And you, you kind of, like, expect someone to just jump out when it's really quiet and there are, like, no other cars on the road. So, like... Yeah.
1: but even then... I'm not that
0: surprised.
1: Even then, because, like, definitely driving in, like, our hometown, there is nothing around and it is just woods, but even then... I still would not pick up somebody that's like. No. On the side of the
0: road. I'm just like thinking, like being a skeptic. Like, I like I feel like my imagination would run wild with like, oh, maybe I just saw a person just then. Like when you see a bunch of shadows and trees and whatever, it can kind of like play on your mind or something. So.
1: It can. That could be
0: an explanation for why. I'm curious if people saw him. If it was just at night, or if it was also during the day, what the, the old, situation was.
1: The only sources I found say they saw him at night. Hmm. Um, I think the weirdest part for me is not just like obviously picking them up and him getting in the car. I think the weirdest bit is just like when you think you hit something. I think that could be kind of disproved a little bit easier. Because if you're driving and it's really late and it's really dark, like I'm wonder I couldn't find anything where they described what the hitting the person felt like or sounded like. But it was more just like, oh, they thought they hit something so they get out of the car and there's mm. nothing there.
0: Yeah, that would be pretty creepy. That's that's harder to disprove than you thinking you see something in the shadows, like mm-hmm. actually physically feeling Yeah, like, like you ran over or hit something. I definitely would not. Yeah, that's like pretty creepy. If I felt like I hit something and I was alone at night and no one else was around, I would definitely like take pause unless I was pretty certain I actually hit something. Especially I'd be like, like, I don't know if I want to leave my car right
1: now. Well, especially if you're driving Shack. alone like I'd be terrified because like yeah. you know you're driving alone it's late you think you hit something and you get out of your car and it's like oh there's nothing there mm. I will I just get in my car now and just like
0: yeah that's yeah. probably pretty eerie
1: so that would probably freak me out more I think then I don't know I guess like also I'm just not the type of person like, I'm sorry, but if I see somebody on the side of the road at night, no, I'm not picking them up. <laughs> no. Like, they can... they'll be fine.
0: <laughs> I mean, that kind of does, like, give a sense of, like, the... what time this was happening with, like, the whole hitchhiker type thing. Because I feel like... I don't think you really hear of anyone now picking up hitchhikers. But it, was, it used to be considered kind of normal before... Yeah. So it's like, I'm like curious now if there are any new hitchhiker ghost stories popping up or if it's like, is it like extinct because no one really does hitchhiking anymore?
1: (laughs) Well, it's like other stories I've heard. Every state seems to have at least one story where there's like a hitchhiker or like he's like a lady ghost that's just like somebody thinks, oh, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: or they get in the car or like something. So I'm just like, I guess this is just Massachusetts like hitchhiking Hmm. ghosts. But also my other theory is that maybe he was actually a hitchhiker and maybe something just went wrong when he was trying to hitch a ride and he killed yeah. or something.
0: That so. would be my first thought. Or like either he was for whatever reason he was killed on that route where he's constantly seen. Or like that's why I asked, maybe there's a cemetery somewhere, like mm-hmm. maybe they've like have his tombstone there. Or I he mean- was actually just hitchhiking and something went terribly wrong.
1: I mean, there might have been a cemetery there at some point, but, you know, sometimes things move.
0: Yeah, you know? I mean, if it's a route, there's there could be some, like, around there somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, that people just don't know about or don't really go to. Or it's a family-owned private cemetery. Hmm. So, but, yeah.
0: <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Yeah, I'm kind
1: of glad, because I was like, oh, she knows about the Victoria Triangle. She's probably heard of this story. <laughs>
0: No, I, yeah, I just knew Mothman and that Thunderbird thing that you mentioned, basically. <laughs> so yeah, to me, it's more interesting when it's it actually involves like people. Mm-hmm. I'm not really, I don't really care about like myths and folklore. Yeah. So
1: I think it was just interesting that a the story is in a book, and b apparently, Rehoboth is way more haunted than we think it is because it's such like a small part of mass right so yeah probably- when you
0: mentioned that town i was like i know i've heard of rehoboth but i don't know why
1: <laughs> i'm just glad i pronounced it correctly because these massachusetts towns can like they can take you a minute to figure out yeah how and
0: know. we're not a good um source to confirm yeah <laughs> if it's right or not so
1: so if we um. pronounced rehoboth incorrectly we apologize
0: <laughs> although you have lived in mass longer so you probably know more than I do with pronunciations.
1: I did check the pronunciation with my coworker yesterday, who is from Mass. So, and he confirmed it. So if it's, That's if it's incorrect, <laughs> I'm sorry, but we have an expert
0: to check.
1: <laughs> so what's uh, what's your story for this week?
0: So, I chose, I almost just said, "Person of Azkaban. <laughs> I chose Alcatraz. Oh, nice. Azkaban. Azkaban, Elf- oh, Alcatraz, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe that's where she got the name from, kind of as a short word, and they both start with A's.
1: And they're both, like, on
0: an island. And they both have Z's in them? I think so yeah K-A-P-N. all right that's what i'm saying <laughs> the eskaban is from the name alcatraz <laughs> 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 yeah initially i was thinking like okay i have to find a murder story but the main reason why i picked alcatraz is because dave had me watch a movie called the rock okay. starring nicholas cage and sean connery Some other people. Ed Harris. And it looks like it was actually filmed at Alcatraz. And I guess one of the main, like, nicknames for Alcatraz is The Rock because it's literally built, yeah, on a rock. Mm -hmm. It's an island. So, I was watching the movie. The movie was okay. If you like Nicolas Cage, I guess I recommend it. But, um, just, it was cool seeing, like, how they filmed, like, they f- had a lot of shots of the prison cells, and then they had a lot of like exterior shots. Um They had a sh- like scene that was in a morgue, and I was actually wondering. I wonder if that was filmed at Alcatraz or not, because that would be kind of creepy. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't lucky. look that up, so... Yeah, it may or may not be in Alcatraz, but for sure the cells and the exterior shots are. So that kind of prompted me to do research into Alcatraz. So... I basically just have like tidbits. So I have 10 facts about Alcatraz from mentalfloss.com. It begins. At 9:40 a.m. on the morning of August 11th, 1934, Alcatraz's first group of prisoners, 137 in all, arrived at the soon-to-be infamous prison. For decades, it was known as the site of one of the most unforgiving federal prisons in the country. Quote break the rules and you go to prison went one anonymous quote quote break oh wait why does it say that twice okay I'll cut that out (laughs) but San Francisco Bay's Alcatraz Island has a history that goes far beyond its infamy as a criminal commune oh also apparently it's technically a park now which kind of blew my mind but yeah I guess it's a thing (laughs) I mean I've been there Oh, really?
1: Yeah, I went there when I was about 13. Ooh,
0: what did you think?
1: It was really creepy. Mm. Also, known fact, if anybody does go to Alcatraz, they're not kidding when they say the last boat leaves at five, because if you're not on that boat, you are staying the night. So if you ever go like there... Like Shutter Island. Yep. If you're not on that last boat, good luck. You're on your own until the Oh, dawn.
0: God. And yeah, it looks like a super popular destination for tours and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. It's really cool, but it is really creepy. Like, mm-hmm. you walk in and you're just sort of like, a lot of bad things happened here.
0: Hmm. I'm process. surprised. Yeah. It sounds pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Just basically, it seems like the main theme with, like, the types of prisoners, it was like, let's get, like, the worst, most dangerous <laughs> prisoners and put them all here, basically and then see what happens, so...
1: Yeah. yeah, let's put everybody on an island and let's yeah. see what happens.
0: Okay, so, starting in 1775, described by Spanish explorer Juan Manuel de Ayala in 1777, Alcatraz Island is the Americanized name of Isla de los island of the pelicans following the end of the mexican-american war in 1848 california became property of the united states in the 1850s islands were ear was island was earmarked by u.s forces for for a military citadel outfitted with more than 100 cannons it monitored activity in san francisco bay to thwart foreign invaders looking to cash in on california's gold rush Later, it was used to discourage Confederates from trying to seize control of San Francisco in the Civil War. That presence led to some federal prisons, prisoners being housed on site, a foreshadowing of the general population prison it would one day become. And then after that, basically it goes on to say that military prisoners built the actual building that became the prison later on in 1909. And then they go on to talk about what living conditions were like in the prison. Often conditions in the prison weren't as harsh as in movies and televisions would later portray. Inmates often got their own cell and some would even ask to be transferred there because the potential for violent trouble was low. The reason some of the more notorious criminals of the era were sent there was usually due to the facility's strict routine. Prisoners had little leeway or privileges outside of the four basics, food, shelter, clothing, and medical care. One perk was hot showers. Inmates got warm water to use for bathing, although it was not for altruistic reasons. A theory has it that if prisoners got to use warm water, they would freeze up if they ever tried to make an escape in the bay's friction conditions. That's fair. Then it goes on to talk about an escape attempt. Many know the story of Frank Morris, John Anglin, and Clarence Anglin. Who famously attempted to escape the prison in 1962 using a raft made out of raincoats? No one knows whether the men made it, but the odds were stacked against them. Of the 36 men who fled from the site in the 29 years it was open, 23 were recaptured, 6 were killed by guards, and 2 drowned. The remaining 5, including Morris and the Anglin brothers, Made it to the water and disappeared. Dun dun dun. Hmm. I think
1: maybe about Shawshank Redemption is based off.
0: Yeah, it definitely seems so. pretty challenging to escape from a prison that's an island. Like <laughs> just adds a lot more challenges.
1: Well, they always yeah, they, I think they always said something like, if the water temperature mm. is cold, it'll kill you, then the sharks will get this you. This also makes
0: me think of Count of Monte Cristo. The only way... <laughs> it was also a prison on an island in France? The only way the Count could get off the, prison, the island prison was if he pretended to be a dead body in a casket that... Like, the way they would get rid of dead prisoners was to just put them in a coffin and, like, throw it off, like, the island in the water. So he pretended he was a... So he basically had to free himself from the coffin, and then I guess he was good at swimming. (laughs) So he just swam to safety, basically. But, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot (laughs) Seems pretty challenging. So, another fun fact is that prison guards lived on the island with their families was something i didn't really think about but that's i'm curious how that was (laughs) guards and other prison employees lived on the island in separate housing that was one civil war barracks their kids fished in the bay and passed time in social halls that had pool and bowling families often took weekend boat trips to nearby marin to stock up on groceries and other essentials while they were forbidden to make contact with inmates a few made a spectator sport of watching new arrivals come in wearing shackles. Later, in 1963, Alcatraz closed because it was too expensive to maintain. Alcatraz didn't get shuttered over human right issues or because the prison was too hardcore, even for society's worst. It closed in 1963 for the same reason it was so distinctive, the location. Saltwater continued to erode erode structures making the cost of maintaining the buildings excessive on a day-to-day basis alcatraz cost ten dollars and ten cents per person to maintain in 1950s dollars three times as much as other federal prisons it is all it also needed fresh water brought in by boat at the rate of a million gallons a week. Also, apparently in 1969, a group of college students stormed the abandoned prison to basically protest it. So they occupied they occupied Alcatraz to protest the government's policy of terminating tribal sovereignty and relocating Native American residents to cities. So that's a fun fact, I guess. So talking about Alcatraz wouldn't be right if I didn't mention one of their most notorious prisoners, Al Capone. Also, while I was reading this, apparently a local mass gangster, Whitey Bulger, 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 Bulger? was also, I feel like it's Bulger because I want to say like Bulger wheat, so I feel like that's not right. Yeah, apparently he was in Alcatraz during the 60s. I guess he had some crimes in California at some point. <laughs> um, so there's a letter Al Capone wrote that basically talked about his feelings while he was in Alcatraz. So, according to Erin Blackmore, she writes... In 1934, one of America's most notorious prisoners, gangster Al Capone, was carted off from an American penitentiary to the United States' most cutting-edge prison, a maximum security prison on Alcatraz Island in San Francisco Bay. But what did Al Capone do while in the pen for tax evasion and contempt of court? A letter now on auction sums up his leisure activities in two words, prison banned. A 1938 letter from Capone to his son is currently for sale at R.R. Auctions, a Boston-based auction house that specializes in rarer manuscripts. It's a rare letter indeed. The missive, which is expected to bring in more than $50,000, gives an intimate look at the daily life of one of the most hardened gangsters in American history. You would think that Capone, who was technically imprisoned for tax evasion but spent years as a brutal mafia boss, Might have spent his days in jail trying to get out, but by the time he arrived at Alcatraz, he was in no condition to flee. In Atlanta, where he had served the initial part of his sentence, he had been given special privileges, entertained near-constant visitors, and used piles of cash to pay off prison guards. But things were different in Alcatraz. For one thing, public enemy number one was suffering from syphilis. Some biographers even think that the disease explains some of his erratic, murderous behavior. He was also watched closely by the warden of Alcatraz, who refused to grant him any of the special privileges he had previously enjoyed. But that doesn't mean Capone never got his way, according to Don Babin of the Associated Press, Capone, quote, "...begged the warden for permission to form a small band." Capone racked up time for good behavior and took up music playing banjo in a band called the Rock Islanders. The band had a rotating group of musicians who played as a privilege, and if Capone's letter to his son is any indication, he relished the chance to play both banjo and mandola. First, I learned a tenor guitar and then a tenor banjo and now the mandola. But for solo work only, he wrote to his son, boasting he could play over 500 songs. Capone even wrote a love song called Madonna Mia that was published posthumously in 2009. So what else did Capone do in Alcatraz when he wasn't, say, dodging a violent stabbing attempt or doing laundry? My routine here is Morning Yard. I mean, the amusement yard, baseball, horseshoe courts, and handball courts, checkers and dominoes, he wrote. And he had a few words of wisdom for a son who was at college at the time. Junior, keep up the way you are doing and don't let nothing get you down. When you get the blues, Sonny, put on one of the records with songs I wrote you about. He said, there isn't much I can write, but chin up always. He signed the letter, love and kisses, your dear dad, Alphonse Capone, number 85. When it came to his many victims, at least 300, are thought to have died. In the gang wars he instigated, many at his own hand, he was heartless indeed. But when it came to his family, the mobster apparently had a soft spot. So I actually, when I was looking into all this, they had actual pictures of what the cells looked like, to like, get an example of living conditions. And Capone's cell basically looked like a fancy crypt is the way I would think of describing it like I think he had a tiny bit of sunlight from like a tiny whole skylight thing in the like middle of the ceiling and then he basically had like an ornate rug and ornate lamps and like bed with some kind of red velvet bedspread and like a bookcase I was <laughs> wow <laughs> and then they showed some other cells and it just looked like a typical prison cell so yeah definitely got some perks
1: (laughs) I remember when I went there and you could see his cell because they still have it set up how he had Mm -hmm. it and it was I remember just looking at it and just being like wow this is very like ornate and right nice and it's right next to like a normal cell which just looked like like kind of not terrifying but like not really fun to be in all day right that was kind of weird and strange to just be like oh he still got a lot of perks even though he was in prison
0: right so it's either like a form of, of intimidation that he was intimidating guards or other prisoners to get his way or maybe like they were showing their respect like wow this guy was able to do so much he deserves a nice <laughs> I don't really understand how that works I don't get it <laughs> Yeah. Um, so then moving on from that I have a article about a man who tried to kill Al Capone perhaps a lesser known tale in 1934 James Tex Lucas was serving 30 years in federal prison for a bank robbery and auto theft the Texas native also had a detainer in his home state that totaled 128 years. Charges included murder, robbery, and escape. In January of 1935, he and his crime partner, Jack Hardin, were transferred to Alcatraz from Leavenworth for closer custody. Lucas was 22 years old. Lucas proved to be a troublemaker at Alcatraz. He participated in a work strike in 1936. And was known to engage in clandestine conduct on a consistent basis. On June 23rd, 1936, Lucas viciously attacked Al Capone in the shower room. Using half of a pair of scissors, he slashed the Chicago gangster several times. Capone suffered a minor chest wound and superficial cuts to his hands. All Lucas said in his own defense was, Well, he threatened to kill me. I
1: mean (laughs) I can I can understand I can understand I I don't agree with it but like you know you threatened to kill me so I'm gonna try to kill you that's kind of the mentality that they probably had back then
0: also who let him have scissors that doesn't seem like a good idea maybe they
1: were like kid scissors or like safety scissors or something from like an art thing I don't know
0: I don't think kid scissors existed in thirty six. Yeah. I think they were just like, let's give kids the dangerous adult scissors. Oh my God.
1: Kids didn't have any rights. That's true. To it. Never mind. Take that part out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I honestly, before you said that, I was thinking that to myself, like maybe there are kid scissors, but then I was like, that wasn't a thing. <laughs> Everything was more dangerous. Maybe
1: he, like he found them, or like he got them from a like, guard, like.
0: I know, like, that's what this makes it sound like, that he basically stole the scissors from somewhere. I mean, you can make a, you can
1: make a like, you can make a out of, like, a soda can, so, like, let's just say you right. can't find a pair of scissors.
0: <laughs> so as a result of that, he lost all of his good time, 3,600 days. The amount could have been deducted from his time at Alcatraz or spent in another federal penitentiary. Almost two years later, he took part in a violent escape attempt. While at work in the Model Industries building on May 23, 1938, Lucas Thomas Limerick and Rufus Whitey Franklin overpowered Officer Royal C. Klein and beat him to death with a claw hammer. Once on the roof, they assaulted the guard tower. From the tower, Officer Harold P. Stiles shot and killed Limerick, and wounded franklin lucas surrendered without incident franklin and lucas received life sentences for the murder oh so there is a murder in this both men spent long terms in isolation lucas was returned to the general population after six years franklin after 14 within a few years tex was transferred and later paroled in 1958 franklin was freed in 1974 and died shortly thereafter. Officer Stites was killed during the 1946 prison riot. Lucas briefly returned to prison at McNeil Island for parole violation. He received a presidential commutation of sentence and was released. Eventually, Lucas married and raised four children. He worked in the oil business and remained a law-abiding citizen for the rest of his life. But is remembered as the man who stabbed Al Capone. Lucas died on November 28th, 1998. Wow. I also found a fun menu.
1: That's what you texted me. Right. Okay. I was trying to figure out, like, what that clue meant. <laughs> Wait, is this just for Al Capone, or is that for, like, all the
0: prisoners? No, apparently, um, they had holiday events at the prison. So, yeah, the, it's, a basically a program and menu for, like, Christmas festivities from 1954. So if you were wondering, they served stuffed celery and ripe olives and something called roast tom turkey, oyster dressing, and giblet gravy. That later was accompanied by snowflake potatoes and buttered peas with cranberry sauce, Parker House Rolls, bread, and oleo? With pumpkin pie, coffee, and fruitcake pretty
1: fancy for a a prison holiday celebration
0: yeah oyster dressing (laughs) maybe they found them right on the bay
1: although i feel like that was popular like back back then
0: it could have been canned some kind of like canned oyster type thing i know but i know that's a thing it might be cheaper or maybe oysters weren't considered as like luxurious at that time or something i don't know maybe just want some nice oyster dressing to go with your turkey i mean i guess it's like lobsters lobsters
1: were considered like peasant food back in the day and now they're like a yeah yeah
0: that was also like a prison connection i think they would serve it to prisoners initially so yeah when i saw that i was (laughs) i never thought of a prison getting an actual printed program looks like it's meant for like a local high school production or something but it's really i also pristine.
1: just love the fact that you literally texted me that as a clue and for some reason my mind was like cannibalism yeah. you're like no
0: i mean there is a picture of a guy holding a platter so i guess it could really be i don't anything. know
1: i was just looking at it and i was like is this like a poisoning case is this like cannibalism like i'm so confused right now
0: some like crazy dinner party, like murder suicide pact or something. I mean, crazy things have happened, so like, I don't know. But now I'm like, Yeah, I kind of sent that thinking, like, it's kind of a hit, but not really because it didn't tell you anything about Alcatraz. It <laughs> was just
1: like, Here's a picture of this weird menu. I was <laughs> like, Okay, yeah. this has to do with like poisoning because maybe it has to do with food. So that's where my mind went. So now that you're saying like acid class.
0: yeah, that is true. No, this is uh, this has nothing to do with food. I just found it funny. It was
1: funny. It's also just funny how left field my mind went when you texted me. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because I told you nothing about what I was doing, so it's like, it could have been cannibalism. I don't
1: know. I mean, I also didn't tell you what I was doing, but I was like, I can't really send her a picture of a redheaded hitchhiker.
0: Okay. So here's some information I thought that was interesting. The average cell was sized at 5 feet by 9. Each cell had a small sink with cold running water, small sleeping cot, and a toilet. Most men could extend their arms and touch each wall within their cell. The cells in D block were more spacious, but the least popular. In D block, inmates were confined to their cells 24 hours a day, with the exception of one visit per week to the recreation yard, and the visits were made alone. (laughs) There were 336 cells in B and C block. Apparently, there were originally 348, but 12 were removed when their stairways installed... There were 36 segregation cells and 6 solitary confinement cells in D block. Cells in A block were used a few times for short-term lockup periods. Inmates were granted one visit a month, and each visitation had to be approved directly by the warden. No physical contact was allowed, and rules dictated that inmates were not allowed to discuss current events or any matters concerning prison life inmates talked with visitors via intercom and a correctional officer monitored the conversations during the majority of the time inappropriate conduct during visits would result in a loss of visiting or other privileges at any given time there were about 300 civilians living on alcatraz that included both women and children apparently the primary living area was called building 64 where there were three apartment buildings and a large duplex and then there were also four large wooden houses for senior officers. Families had a bowling alley, a small convenience store, and a soda fountain shop for younger residents. (laughs) Families did most of the shopping on the mainland with scheduled prison boat trips. One inmate named Willie Radke, who shared a cell next to Machine Gun Kelly, indicated that having your own cell was a great advantage over other federal prisons. By having your own cell, it reduced the chances of being sexually violated, and the privacy aspect was also a cherished benefit. He also stated that the staff treated the inmates respectfully, though they rarely spoke to one another. Furthermore, the food was the best within the entire prison system, and considered his time at Alcatraz to be better than at any other penitentiary. Seems like they disliked the most the inability to talk to one another except during meals and recreation periods they also said that it was cold the island was always cold most agree that cells on the higher tiers with window views were more popular because they tended to be warmer than ground level cells there were no executions performed at alcatraz inmates who had been served a death sentence, were transferred to San Quentin State Penitentiary for execution in the gas chamber. Eight people were murdered by inmates on Alcatraz, five men committed suicide, and 15 died from natural illnesses. The island boasted its own morgue. So that could have been the morgue in the rock movie. (laughs) All deceased inmates were brought back to the mainland and released to the San Francisco County Coroner. The highest number that Alcatraz had at one time was 302, and the lowest was 222. On average, the time of residence was about eight years for a prisoner. Wait, Uh, when you
1: say, like, the deaths, do you mean that was, like, does it say if that was, like, yearly, monthly, weekly?
0: The amount of people who died? Uh, It sounds like at all, uh, like, for the whole period, that during the whole time they were running eight people were murdered which actually i thought it would have been higher than that and out of those eight five people committed suicide oh wait just kidding eight people were murdered five committed suicide 15 died from natural causes okay so that is 28 people i guess died yeah <laughs> 8 plus 5 plus 15. 15 plus 5 plus 8, yep. <laughs> we can do math. Okay, so 28 then. But then the other yeah. part
1: too, about like the 300, was that just like, did it say if that was weekly or monthly or did it just give like a number?
0: The highest number ever recorded for the amount of prisoners they had oh, was okay. 302. Okay. Yeah. Seven. The average number was 260. Oh, okay. Seven. The amount of people who escaped indicates 36. 36 prisoners were involved in attempts to escape. Two actually successfully made it off the island, but were quickly captured. Seven inmates were shot and killed trying to escape. Two drowned, and five inmates have been unaccounted for who are presumed drowned. The most famous escape was that of Frank Morris and the Anglin Brothers, all three were successful in swimming off Alcatraz, but all three are believed to have drowned. It was kind of tricky, because I knew, I, like, I found the topic interesting, but then it's like, do I want to talk about all the famous prisoners? Because there's a whole list of people you can talk yeah. about. So I feel like Capone is kind of the first person you think of. Yeah. And then there's also another guy called Birdman of Alcatraz yep. that I looked into. Yeah, I think there's literally a movie, I think, that's called, like, I think I Birdman think so. of Alcatraz. I think it's an older one. So I looked into him a little bit, and but it mainly just sounded like um, I did learn about him a little bit. It's I think he went to prison Alcatraz, well, somewhere before Alcatraz, then Alcatraz, because he was kind of a pimp in Alaska, and then someone was thr- threatening one of his girls, and he killed the guy who was threatening her. And then he was just known for being super violent and like disagreeable with guards and things like that. So he like moved around in the prison systems and then he eventually was sent to Alcatraz. So I guess he was a bit of a troublemaker. And it so yeah, it does mention here how many birds did Robert, the bird man of Alcatraz Stroud, keep on Alcatraz? And it actually says none. He bred and studied birds at the Federal Federal Penitentiary in Leavenworth, Kansas. He was imprisoned at Alcatraz from 1942 until 1959. It was determined that he was abusing his research privileges and was sent to Alcatraz. He was widely disliked by many fellow inmates and correctional officers. <laughs>
1: I remember hearing about him because I think they talked about him a bit when I like when you're on the tour, but right,
0: he definitely sounds eccentric. I think it, it says it right here he was actually kind of considered a semi-expert in orth- ornithology, so that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but also was super dangerous.
1: I mean. From what i remember visiting like now because it's obviously not in use and they just do it for tours it's just like it's covered in bird poop like you walk around and just everything is like covered in bird poop because like windows are open so the birds get in and it's just like feathers mm. and, that's all i remember is feathers and bird poop just like okay so
0: so maybe he had a lot to do research I mean, on then if he had a window, or was allowed I outside. I just remember there was
1: a lot of seagulls too, because they like obviously like they. And oh yeah!
0: Apparently, it was known as uh, Pelican Island yeah, back in the I day. I don't remember
1: a lot of pelicans, but I do remember I do remember a lot of seagulls. So.
0: So yeah, that's Alcatraz. <laughs> but it looks like a pretty popular destination. When I was looking it up, it had like a four, four and a half rating. I think
1: I could be wrong. I feel like I should look this up before I say it, but I feel like now they offer day tours and night tours. They didn't Mm. when I went, but now I think they do. And I personally prefer it during the day. At night,
0: yeah, (laughs) I don't. I I have heard of that too. That I think I don't know if it's only with a night tour or day and night, but something you can do on the tours actually they let you go into, like, tiny cells where only the most dangerous people were going or they weren't allowed to see anyone else or something yeah. like that. And it was yeah. all dark. And they let you stand there. And it sounds really they had. Creepy. I
1: think they have a lot of cells still for, like, solitary confinement. Because, like, I could be mixing this up with the Eastern State Penitentiary because I've been there, too, in Pennsylvania. Hmm. But I do remember that they would, like, if you wanted to, they would let you go in, and they would shut the door, and I didn't do it, because I was Mm. too chicken, but somebody on, like, in my tour group did it, and they came out, and they were just, like, nope, that was not, that was not enjoyable, that was terrifying, I would not be able to do it, because you are in this dark cell for 24 hours, seven days a week, for, like, weeks or months, and there's no outside stimulation, there's no talking to people, it's just, like, we're not we're not meant for that. So I can understand why people, like, go crazy when they're in solitary confinement.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, it's not a surprise when you hear yeah. that. Yeah. I think the only, like, prison I visited was, like, the Wix Dungeon Museum yeah. in Salem. <laughs> I think I've
1: been there, too.
0: <laughs> Where they just have, like, a bunch of, like, dolls and creepy mannequins everywhere. Yeah. So probably different than visiting Alcatraz.
1: Alcatraz is just so big, and there's so much history to it that it's, it's like, I'm surprised you were able to, like, narrow it down.
0: I It was challenging, because, yeah, it's the type of place you could, t- like, go on and on about, but, yeah, a lot of information yeah.
1: on it. And it's always, it's got, like, a crazy history, too. And it's just in, like, a weird location. Like, you go out there, and you're not expecting there to be, like, this abandoned prison on this right. little, like, island. Oh, I was just Sorry. saying, I'm just, like, I'm surprised that, like, the guards' families lived there. Like, I would I would not be okay with that. I know. I'd be like, no, I'll go on the mainland, and I'll just be one weekend.
0: Yeah, I was surprised, too, but I was – what was it like, like, actually taking a boat to get there? Like, how long did it I take – think- and what? How was the water? The was water was really
1: choppy. The current was really strong, which is why so many people drown when they would try to escape. Because they think yeah. like it doesn't seem like it's that far, but if you're not like a really good swimmer mm. and you're not used to it, you could easily drown because it's just so exhausting trying to keep up with the current. You're trying to swim like like trying to swim in that kind of water.
0: That was like one of my thoughts. Like maybe the conditions were so. <laughs> hard to get back and forth or whatever it was more worth it for them to just make some like bunk houses to house but i have heard that before with other prisons too that they have housing areas kind of on the grounds or right next to the grounds maybe it's like a i can understand why they
1: do i just think like if i was married to someone and they were a prison guard i would not live on the island with them i would be like
0: yeah, I'd be super uncomfortable. Like, here's an island, and it has almost three hundred prisoners, and you and your family. Yep. Like,
1: I'm raising <laughs> kids on this island. Like,
0: at least they had bowling. They're
1: bowling in a photo shop.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> like, it shop. might
1: be fine. Like, if you, if that's just what you know, but it would just it to me, it just it sounds like kind of weird. I just wouldn't yeah. feel safe.
0: <laughs> I feel like there were less rules with how people lived in like especially the 50s and 60s. This closed in the mid-late 60s, so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of things didn't make sense yeah. back
1: then. Well, they were way more lenient <laughs> with certain things than they are now. Like, certain yep. things would not, like, fly as much now as they did back then. Definitely. Well,
0: and we're well, back. that's
1: our podcast for this week. Thank you for listening. It was great to hear more about <laughs> Alcatraz and the uh redheaded hitchhiker. So until next time, uh we hope you enjoyed this episode
0: of Boy with
1: the Terror already.
0: Oh wait, I just got confused. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like the title of the episode. I thought you were gonna I thought you were naming the episode no! title. <laughs> we don't have an episode wait, title. <laughs> but, uh, I know, but you said episode yeah, of Oi with
1: the Terror already.
0: <laughs> oh, I don't. To me, that sounded like I thought you were going to come up with the title. <laughs> okay,
1: <laughs> okay, let's
0: do it. <laughs> episode of one. Epi- okay, I'll say
1: episode <laughs> one of.
0: Well, yeah. Oh yeah, yes, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, right, that makes oh, sense. Uh, let's see. Okay, so that's our podcast for this week. Thank you very much for joining us for the very first episode of. Boy, with the oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you want to try it again? <laughs> sure. All
0: right.
1: So when I say this first okay. episode of, then we say together. <laughs>
0: Just like your hand and face was funny. Okay,
1: kind like of like you have to say it with me. Or I can say it. I don't care.
0: You look like a conductor. Okay. All, right. <laughs> all
1: right. Okay. Well, that's our first episode. Wow, I cannot do this. All right, hold on. Well, thank you for listening to our first episode of Boy with the. Boy <laughs> with the Abby. terror, <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <No, you're> just... <laughs> okay. Or maybe I'll just say it.
0: <laughs> no, I have to say it. Okay, you start saying it okay, and then I'll join good. in. With... All right, so
1: okay. thank you everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed learning more about Alcatraz and the Redheaded Hitchhiker on our very first episode of oi with the, with the, with oh, the terror baby. already we'll see you next we'll, we'll see next. <laughs> i don't know maybe just end with oi with a terror already and just like
0: <laughs> yeah no yeah i feel like i've heard people do that where it just kind of mm-hmm. stops yeah so we okay. could do that we need to have some kind of tune or jingle. Don't forget that
1: you can always reach out to us and share your own stories or maybe even suggest things that you want to be researched or read. And you can contact us at our Gmail. It's oy with the terror already at gmail.com. Again, that's O-Y with the terror already all one word, at gmail.com.
0: Thanks.